Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, and I will be your host as I give you the second half of the interview that I did with Michael Vlahos. I am not going to give a long recap. Instead, I am going to probably replay just a minute or two of the end of the first half of the interview. So what I'll do is I'll start where he started his response and I'd kind of cut him off halfway, and instead of just jumping back in halfway, I'll let him restate that response by starting at the beginning of his response, and so you'll kind of get a bit of a gist of the context of where he was as he gets into his second points and continue on with the rest of the interview. So with that, I will let you hear what Michael Vlahos has to say. If we were to look at the Roman Empire at the beginning of the fifth century, um, the old ways of Rome and the old dominant aristocracy was under enormous pressure. And the new aristocracy, which was based on the church, which in the West was taking over only after, oh, I would say 500 Uh, They were intent on creating a new structure of control. That wasn't possible for actually quite a while, a couple centuries. And during those centuries, people were actually unburdened by having (laughs) an elite that was pushing them down. But the fact is, yes, and this was certainly true in the Eastern Empire, is that The old aristocracy was replaced by a new aristocracy uh, of Christians who had created their own original version of what we now understand in contemporary terms as the Church of Woke. In other words, they created a new basis for hieratic priestly authority to say, hey, you have to do what we tell you to do. And this is, in effect, what happened uh, to Rome. The Western Roman Empire didn't fall. It was replaced by a successor Western Empire uh, of, of the Catholic Church, the Latin Church, with all of its power developing and growing century by century up until you know, um, the 10th, 11th, and 12th centuries, where the Pope was like the replacement emperor. Well, what's happening today is that an elite that was faced, to be honest, it was faced with a complete revolt of the people, of populism. Uh, It might have called itself the Tea Party, but it was also equally to be um, uh, represented in, in the whole Bernie thing, the whole Bernie Sanders revolt, which was ruthlessly put down by the Democratic Party twice. That all represents a desire of regular people to be free, to be liberated, and to, to have space for their lives. And the fact is that this nine plus one aristocracy has managed to create a 
a successor religion in which <laughs> they have the right and the authority to tell everyone else how to live and also to separate and divide people. And this Church of Woke is literally no different in its approach to controlling society than the Latin church was in the high Middle Ages from Rome. It is a ruthless totalitarian vision that seeks to control people at the most intimate and granular level and to create a society in which regular people, and I'm talking about the 90% of Americans who are being devalued and marginalized and reduced in their status constantly, are to be put in a situation of servile submission. And the 9 plus 1%, and let me just say for a second what that means. 1% are the archons. They are the dominating class. The 9% are effectively their servants. And uh, essentially, the two are, are interdependent. And for the 9% to continue to live their their happy suburban lives in marquee counties in the U.S., they are at the beck and call of the 1%. So you have an incredibly... We, we inhabit a society worse than that of France before the French Revolution. It is unimaginably tilted and inequitable. And what bothers me is the fate of the 90% and how they're being discarded and put into a position of submission and, and herd control. And in that sense, you are absolutely right. What happened in the longer term of history is that the, and let's just use the Western Roman Empire as an example, the the uh, pagan Roman Empire of the senatorial class, of, of the great Latifundiae of the third and fourth century was very quickly replaced by a new aristocracy of, of the Latin church. And, and that eventually, after a couple centuries, became... A, a hierarchical power, if you were to look at Europe in the 12th or 13th century, of unbelievable tyranny, a totalitarian society where 90% of all people were serfs. They were slaves. Well, essentially, we live in a society today which is heading in that direction because of the, the pathways that exist in civilization. In other words, it is very difficult to have civilization and all of its bounty and rewards without having the emergence of an elite class that dominates and then seeks 
to constantly improve itself at the expense of everyone else, the 90%. And, you know, economists like Thomas Piketty in France have shown that the elite in a stable situation, you know, without wars and upheavals, the elite generation by generation will increase its wealth and power at the expense of the lower 90%. It's just historical reality. It's confirmed by the data. Yeah, and that does remind me of of something else here where you have uh, the issue of free market capitalism, and that's something I've done a lot of digging into with Austrian economics and capitalism in general and that whole realm of economics. And the idea here is that it's usually portrayed as being essentially the perfect system. If you have a complete free and open market that's not influenced by a nation state or a government or any other what is considered a corruption, and that that is an ideal system. It creates prosperity for all. And we have seen in modern times how capitalism has brought us many, many advancements. And the lowest in our modern society in America are much better off than they were before. But at the same time, it has also led to the extreme wealth and power inequality and it seems at least that a system like this just always trends towards going from free market capitalism to crony capitalism. And as certain elites, certain groups, certain individuals start to gain more wealth and power, then like you say, they take advantage of those that are underneath them so that they can get more wealth and power. And they might start off by using a free and open market for that, but then they might use other influences, other institutions, other modes of power to further their wealth, further their power and influence, maybe do it behind the scenes, maybe out in the open kind of depends on the example. But the point is that that I do see that that trend towards then having a society where you have the 1%, you have the 9% around them, and then you have the 90% that have really been pushed down. And it's it's hard to see because in modern times, we don't consider ourselves serfs. We consider ourselves fairly well off, especially in America. Most of us have a cell phone and a TV and a house to live in and all these things. We have a car. Most people do. And uh, this is something that is seen as, oh, we are well off. We are doing good. We have power and control over our own lives. And we have an influence in our society because we live in a democracy, is what they say. And uh, uh, I would just, I guess, argue that that seems to be a bit of a sham. And uh, I think that recent events over the past few years are really highlighting that about how much of a sham all of these things really are. Oh, you think you have political influence, but let's see when you try to actually exercise that, even as a group, even as a majority group, it has been squashed. You mentioned Bernie Sanders, very good example, that it seemed that the majority of Democratic Democrat supporters were friendly towards the idea of Bernie Sanders being their candidate. And yet that got squashed. And um, you can look at many other examples in the recent past where this continues to play out. And so it seems like the reality is that even though we are materially 
fairly well off compared to previous times, we still essentially are just the serfs. We have our little territories of our own lives, our own families, our own homes, and even those are being infringed upon. And that's all we have. We can't really influence society in any great ways. If we try, you might get censored. You might have a conspiracy behind the scenes against you if you're a powerful or influential group. That's been shown to happen. You have corruption that exists in the corporate world as well as the governmental world. And all of these things seem to keep squashing these movements, these uprisings, this this rise of the commoner. However, the commoner seems to continue to keep pushing, to keep rising, to keep coming. And I wonder if the Church of Woke is really going to be able to wrangle that in successfully and control that. Um, I'm not quite sure if they can, because it, it seems as though, like you say, it's it's this new elite class, and it's basically going to be the same thing. They're going to have the power, they have the control, they have the wealth, and they're just using a different framework in order to manifest that on society. And so uh, I, I don't think that the uh, I guess the upheavals of the commoner. And, and when we look at these recent examples of that actually playing out, I don't think that those will be able to be quelled by these ideals that are spouted by the church of woke. But I also have a hard time seeing any real and effective resistance against the church of woke. And so I'm kind of in this conundrum here where it, it's hard to see how things are playing out because we do see the Church of Woke uh, becoming the dominant institution, so to say, and having dominance in our society. We see that we are headed to that future. But uh, I guess the illusions of uh, 1984 and Brave New World are uh, very apropos here, where we are living in 1984. We are living in this hierarchical society where everybody is controlled, everybody's surveilled, everybody's monitored. It is a tightly controlled society. You have these wars. You're, you always have these threats to your safety, whether that be physical war or something else. And the government is always the answer. The party is always the answer to give you your safety. You know, of course, you give up a little liberty and a little privacy and everything else. But um, that seems to be where we are. And the Church of Woke seems to be dangling this carrot in front of us of Brave New World. And uh, yeah, the, the part about that that scares me the most is that that actually is a carrot that people are wanting to go after. They see that as something good, something positive of, you know, you'll own nothing, but you're going to love it because it's all about uh, fulfilling any desires you have, whether that be sensually or in entertainment or whatever the case may be, having your voice heard online through social media, everyone can be heard. Everyone can have influence on the world. And that's just not reality. That's that's not the way it actually plays out. And so, yeah, it's, it's just hard for me to parse out what this looks like. Uh, maybe you can help me. What, what does this look like if the Church of Woke does take dominance? And or what does that look like if the commoner actually does subvert that. And we have something, I guess, that you and I would probably say is a better result with uh, the actual ending of this shift in our current society. Well, Joshua, you have everything exactly spot on. In other words, the Church of Woke is the 
uh, orthodox theology deployed by the nine plus one <clears throat> to control the rest of America. At the same time, there is um, a continuing and rather boisterous opposition or resistance to that outcome. And the big question is, how will that, how will that all be resolved? And my sense is that the external or exogenous pressures may be a pathway to overturning uh, or overthrowing this elite. Uh, in the past, if you were to look at the other great crises of civilization, at the end of the Bronze Age, at the end of antiquity, in the High Middle Ages with the Black Death, uh, and, and even in modernity, uh, in several instances that were brief but notable, um, uh, populist insurgency overthrew the elite. Could this happen again now? Well, it seemed to be on the cusp of possibly happening with the Tea Party and Mr. Trump. But of course, the elite put its foot down. Now, the elite has all the levers of power. They have all the institutional elements of control. And if you look at the elite economically, they are 71% of the U.S. economy as opposed to 29% for the people. And the fact is that I think there's going to have to be either an exogenous input, and one of that inputs already has asserted itself, and that is the, the COVID-19 pandemic. It has really exposed um, the nine plus one elite as being totally control oriented, totally focused on their own agenda. And maybe, maybe that will have an effect or an impact. But part of, of the message I have to share with your listeners tonight is that Elites that are well-positioned and in control, and I have to say the elite in France before the French Revolution was not in control, but it was not in control as an aristocracy because it was being already overthrown by the rising wealth and power of the bourgeoisie. And so that is not necessarily a good example. I mean, what's happening in the U.S. today is that you have a unitary elite. When I say the nine plus one, I mean the nine plus one. They are in the saddle. They have the GNP. They have uh, the control of institutions across society. They have control of the military. It's a very difficult situation. But if the people can possibly unite, if the people can possibly overcome the imposed tribal um, 
divisions that are being, uh, you know, forced upon them and say, no, we're all Americans together. Well, you could have the elite overthrown very, very powerfully, but I just don't see how that could happen. And, and again, I think we need to get back to this uh, leitmotif trope, this overarching concept that is, you know, never talked about, which, but which must be addressed. You know, some people would say the gorilla or the elephant in the room, but the fact is that what we call capitalism is not capitalism or free market at all. What it is, is a system of pushing massive consumerism and narcissism as a way to get regular people to give over their lives to the worst kind of uh, consumer excess imaginable, to give over their money to things that don't matter. In other words, um, the society relatively long ago, I'm not sure exactly when, I don't think anyone knows, but give over its whole purpose for using people to spend all of their money on nothing and to create this elusive, uh, empty vision of their own narcissism as a way to promote them to enter into that life of constant consumerism. And as a result, or maybe just in tandem with that system being so entrenched in our society today, there has been a correspondent steep decline in community, in family formation, even in infertility. I mean, people are so focused on themselves, so focused on consuming and, and imagining themselves as, as something so completely self-referent that there is almost no sense of a common shared community, common shared responsibility as we have to our family, to our community, and and to our nation. The result has been the degradation of our society, so fractured, atomized, anomically subdivided, that it is the complete creature of the state. And the state will just suck it dry. And it's not just the state, of course, It's all of the corporate world in alliance with the state that would create a kind of livestock society that could be sucked dry. This is not anything like the nation that we began uh, some 250-odd years ago. This is a simulacrum of a nation. And it is in deep decline. Now, as to whether the elite can can maintain this and keep control, that's very possible. I mean, the Roman system was declining and falling apart as early as the third century 
and it was in complete disarray. And then it pretty much collapsed in the West. It survived in the East because you had a, a new aristocracy based on Christianity. And then that was extended to the West. And then over time, you had a new totalitarianism by the high Middle Ages. And that set up the response called the Protestant Reformation after 1300 developing into a giant rebellion. And so you, you continue to have the rebellion of people who cannot stand the absolute dictatorship of the elite. But right now, today in America, there is no strong countervailing force against the elite. The elite is in total control in the United States. And how long they can maintain that, I do not know. But this is a major issue. And as an aside, I have to say that a stratified society that is beaten down and, and made servile and submissive by a, a dominant elite is not going to be an effective, strong, purposeful society. It's going to be a shell of itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, a few things I pulled out of that was um, around the idea of Rome, as well as you mentioned the uh, bit of a revolt with the idea of Trump becoming the president, the Tea Party movement, that whole idea, even the Ron Paul movement. And to me, it seems as though that is going back to the idea of, of statism, of going back to the idea of the nation or in Rome of the empire. And when the new institution, the new cycle is starting, the new uh, power elites are starting to take more and more dominance, it doesn't seem that historically we ever go back to the previous um, in both of these examples, uh, the statism that had been dominant prior, even if it's a different flavor of statism, uh, that's not what took hold in Rome. It was it was the church was the new dominant player, and that was something different. And we're seeing that with the Church of Woke, of course, is something different as well. But I would think that if we are able to take the reins of this, so to say, if the commoner is able to somehow organize, rise up, wake up, and do something about this that it doesn't seem like historically this plays out as a um, a replaying of the previous institution of going back to statism, going back to nationalism, back to patriotism. That doesn't really seem to be the way it usually plays out. It's usually something new. And so uh, to me, at least, it seems as though the idea of what the Tea Party was doing, the Libertarian Party, uh, Trump coming in, uh, the whole, and we won't get into QAnon, but uh, that whole mentality, at least, that people are drawn to, even Bernie Sanders, it's the same thing. It's anti-establishment. And to me, at least, it seems like these don't really have much hope of actually changing the way society goes for the next, say, century Maybe they have some hope for making a difference over a few years or an administration or something like that. But yeah, it's more slowing the spread and slowing the growth versus 
actually providing something new, actually being that new institution that takes the reins. And so I wonder what that is. I would I would posit that Christianity does provide an option for that, but only if you look at it the way that it occurred in Rome, where it was this idea of there is a higher authority that we're not Romans, we are Christians. And you see this, this change that occurred there, whereas in modern times, the church in America, especially the mainstream church, is uh, completely supportive of anything the government says. And uh, I'm in the Bible Belt, and so oftentimes in the church, there'll be an American flag up there, and every patriotic holiday that comes about, they'll play a video and do a tribute to the wars or to whatever else. And so I, I don't really see that resistance coming from at least the modern, more cultural church with Christianity, but uh, I agree, it's got to be something. It's it's either going to be the Church of Woke, which I agree is not a very pretty picture, or it's going to be something else. And and yeah, I I'm not seeing much hope in in statism. Um, but going into uh, some of these issues that you mentioned, you mentioned like uh, the family unit dissolving and uh, infertility being more and more of an issue, and some of these issues that are going on here. It just reminded me of going all the way back to Plato in the Republic, where uh, he he talks about these as measures for control. If you control reproduction, if you control the flow of information, what people are exposed to, if you dissolve the family. He didn't want there to be a family unit because he saw, as most every elite group does, that the family unit can be a higher authority, a different authority that can... Uh, divide the loyalties of an individual and take it away from the reigning dominant institution and place it in the hands of someone else as these different uh, authority structures, so to say. And so it kind of does make sense that if we have issues with fertility and issues with family units breaking apart and issues with corruption in religion, it's like, uh, even the censorship that's going on now is really ramping up. The surveillance is really ramping up. People will pay money to put basically a surveillance device in their house. And so uh, that is having some effects and uh, could potentially have some major effects. But th- the thing here is that all of these issues that are happening, they really lend themselves towards, a again, a brave new world society of of the Church of Woke really being able to take and maintain dominance and um, really be able to halt a lot of these uh, ground movements that we hope will come up at some point. Uh, there's there's also this, this ide- ideology with the Church of Woke of eventually getting into transhumanism or being able to take more control over human evolution or over what it means to be human, even just defining what it means to be a man or a woman or defining what it means to be alive or um, changing what it means to uh, die of your own volition and how there are legal issues with that and how you can go about that and just life and death and the very definition of humanity and genetics, all of these things, CRISPR technology, all of this is really going along with the Church of Woke. And so I guess bringing all that together, if, if like you say, society is kind of going downhill, we are in this, this cycle, this snowball, where 
there really isn't a good option other than collapse. It's this self-destructive system with the consumerism, materialism, uh, lower birth rates, all, all of these different things. Many different angles are showing the same thing. The, the economic cycle, looking at the boom-bust cycle, all of these things are really pointing towards the same thing. But I, I guess the, the one thing that, that I see is that if I am taking the mindset of an elite that believes that we should actually have uh, eugenics programs, and we should actually have depopulation, and that we know we can't maintain our hold over the 90%. But what if it's not 90% anymore? What if half of them aren't around anymore, whether that be long term because of uh, fertility issues, or whether that be short term because of some disastrous event, whether it be something that is staged and organized, or whether it's just a natural thing that gets taken advantage of. Either way, I see that on one hand, you're right. Like these, these different trends are ones that lead towards societal societal collapse, and they are promoting that. And they can't stop because if they do, they they die out. So they have to keep pursuing that. But on the other hand, that might not necessarily be bad for the elite class. Maybe if they are able to make that happen, encourage that, and take advantage, then maybe that gives them a better chance at being able to maintain control if they are having to control a smaller portion of the society. What would you think about that? Again, you know, you're touching upon everything that is at this moment underway. Uh, The Church of Woke is the wholly owned subsidiary franchise of the American aristocratic elite. And the Church of Woke exists to uh, control uh, the 90% by splintering them and putting them in a situation in which they are desperately fighting all the other poor, sad groups and the Church of Woke will decide which groups are privileged, which are protected, and which are to be punished. And the end result will be that uh, the Church of Woke and the elite will be completely in control. And whatever anger manifests itself as, as, as terrible division Uh, between the 90%, that will be a perfect excuse for the Church of Woke to intervene, to say, oh, you people are fighting, that's wrong, we will make things better. But the larger problem is that a situation of such manipulative control, turning 90% of Americans into what amount to identity addicts, is not going to last forever. And in fact, um, anything can happen within the next uh, 20 years or so. But even if um, the elite is able to, to dominate the entirety of America and to create a kind of controlled, brutal if totalitarian system, which I'm sure they will in the next few years, if they possibly can. The fact is that there are ways in which the society can resist and respond. 
It's just that rebellions or insurgencies, or as <laughs> the elite would have it, insurrections, uh, <laughs> will not be successful. So that what, what you are, are likely to have over the coming period of time is an increasingly uh, dominant uh, tyranny imposed in the U.S. that will make either Aldous Huxley or George Orwell or Alexander Solzhenitsyn <coughs> look, <coughs> look like babies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's actually just uh, read the last one you alluded to a few weeks or maybe a few months ago. And yeah, I see all of those as having manifestations in our current world and definitely on our horizon as being uh, the inevitable result of if the Church of Woke is able to uh, continue their dominance, their control, increase that. And uh, I would agree that that can't last forever because you end up having a generation rise up knowing that they don't want to be under the control of the elites anymore and realizing that they are under the control of the elites. And I think those are two different things where you have some people that have this mindset of, oh, trust the experts. They're the ones that know best. They are the ones that have your uh, best regards in their mind and that's what they want they want the best for you the greatest good for the greatest number kind of a thing and we should trust them because of that that that's one attitude but then the other attitude is not even seeing what the church of woke is much less what they're doing and thinking that oh i live in this free society and i have complete control over everything and my vote counts and all these things and they they take their confidence and solace in this and uh, so they don't even see it. But yeah, you can't, at least I do not believe it is possible to continue that indefinitely on an entire population on the 90% for a long period of time, because eventually those cracks really become evident. Well, well, we can see um, uh, the, the problems that will emerge. One of them is the... Um, uh, celebrated sacred um, uh, policies that the Church of Woke seeks to pursue, like the Green New Deal and um, other sorts of, you know, quote-unquote transformative policies. Um, that would include reparations, aggressive reparations, and, and other ways of altering the society. The risk for blowback there is enormous. And the risk of, say, a Green New Deal doing to the nation what it's done to California, where the pursuit of green policies has raised energy prices five times for the low income. And they are in absolute distress. They can't afford homes. They can't afford even housing. And yet their energy bills have gone up enormously. If this were to happen over the whole country, that would create a, a giant rebellion. But also, I mean, there is the larger impact of a society moving toward slow collapse. 
Um, the collapse of fertility is extremely serious. It will mean within a very short period of time that the U.S. is going to start losing people. I mean, unless it wants to keep in bringing people from uh, elsewhere in the world, which it certainly can do. But it would mean a, a coming apart of our society and the, the lack of family formation and the uh, breakdown of socialization, which is in large part driven by uh, the uh, crazy um, disaggregation and anomic um, separation of people on their uh, social networks could could lead to a society that simply is not functioning anymore, that is not getting together, it's not having families and marrying, it's not having children, but instead it's a society where people are encouraged to pursue the most short-sighted, uh, narcissistic, death-embracing paths that we see uh, the Democrats in wholehearted support of. And, you know, you cannot have a society that is focused on, on celebrating LGBT at the expense of its own survival. And yet that is what I see happening. So uh, in spite of where the spirit of the age may be right now, I can see within the next 30 years or so a reckoning with all the consequences of this approach and yet encouraging a narcissism among Americans is the best way to perpetuate anomie and uh, selfish personal needs and, and all sorts of other agendas and especially group desires in such a way that um, it all helps to perpetuate elite control. And so uh, what I see is, is an elite that is desperately committed and invested in maintaining elite control, even if it means that the society as a whole is moving toward a kind of collapse. This is unbelievable, and yet it is not unthinkable. In fact, it's what is happening right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're all seeing those signs and it's, it is waking up a lot of people, and that's something that's encouraging. And I'm, I'm sure you have been encouraged by hearing other people talk about these topics as, as well as I have, and having a lot of support from listeners who are, again, really resonating with these topics recently. And I, I see that there is a hunger for learning more about this to see what's really going on, but uh, what are some of those deeper meanings? What are some of those deeper trends? Uh, there seems to be a hunger for that in society, and that does appear to be a response to these issues that you're talking about and this dominance of the Church of Woke and these problems with society, the breakdown of traditional society. 
and like you say, this this leads to its own destruction. There's really nothing you can do about that. The well, I, I, well yeah, go ahead. No, one of the uh, hopeful possibilities is that the Church of Woke, by presenting such a mean-spirited and destructive vision of of humankind, will will blow up or or lose uh, allegiance. Because what people are looking for is what people were looking for in the Roman world in the second century. And you have to remember, in the second century, the Roman world was a world of impossible uh, inequality of wealth and income, and where two out of every five people was a slave. It was a world of, 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 of absolute bitterness and uh, lifespans were were so terribly short in those days in the 20s or 30s and you can only you know look at the wax and caustic portraits on sarcophagi in the Fayum to see uh, these beautiful Romans Egyptian Romans um, so young so lovely and 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 dead at such an early age and you must realize that people were desperate they they had no sense of hope or meaning or transcendence and nothing in the church of woke offers transcendence and so in a strange way my my sense of hope is that this lack of capacity to really give people what they need will be uh, the, the failure of the Church of Woke, and, and there will be uh, another movement that will emerge. People need something right now. And, you know, you, on one hand, you have the Church of Woke, which is such a cynical, religiously manipulative a vision of the human future on one hand. And on the other hand, you have the absolutely predatorial capitalist vision of people being nothing but livestock, consuming and thinking narcissistically about themselves and then dying. That is, that's, that's a terrible situation People cannot survive in this sort of world. So inevitably, there has to be some new vision that emerges that offers people a sense of of belonging and meaning and a sense of transcendence for their life on earth. And that, that will, I hope, emerge just as it emerged in the Roman world in Christianity initially. Yeah, yeah. the The only caveat that I could think of, and it might sound far fetched, sci fi, dystopian, but uh, we're living in a dystopian world, so it shouldn't sound too far fetched. But uh, the one thing that I could see the Church of Woke being able to pull off to get that aspect of transcendence and provide all the needs for people is if you make everything virtual 
And so if the technology picks up where people can live in a virtual world, so to say, they're just always plugged in and they can do their virtual things, they can have a virtual life, they can do all of all of the things that they ever wanted to do, fulfill all their pleasures, have all their needs met, and maybe you just have a feeding tube in real life and that's all you need, or you just you know pop out of VR to eat a meal and then pop right back in. And so it doesn't matter if your life is squalor and you barely have anything. And if you die at the age of 40, it, it, I, I unfortunately could see a situation play out where uh, people would be up for that because they're just so bought into that idea and they get sold on that and it looks so good, so to say. But uh, again, I, I would say that that is unlikely and hopefully it would never happen. But uh, no, on I the think it's happening now. And, and I uh -oh. think that is the approach the Church of Woke and the elite will take because you know, we all know the matrix, the red pill, the whole vision of people who've been totally suckered into absolute, you know, servility and parasitism. I think that is the vision. And it is at hand because there are superficially seductive aspects to the world you describe. And, um, God help us if those take over. But I think, you know, you can see this in the way that Church of Woke types have pursued uh, the lockdowns during the pandemic is that they really want people to feel that their lives are essentially locked down and therefore that they move inevitably toward the virtual life. And in the virtual life, they are increasingly at the mercy of the state, at the mercy of control. And you understand that, you know, just as Siri or Alexa listens to everything you say at home and your cell phone tracks you, that, that, that these companies know everything about you, that is going to be a way for the political powers that are the archons of the Church of Woke, for them to control you in the most granular way. So I do think that's the path. That is exactly where we are headed right now. Okay, so uh, I guess the perfect way to kind of tie all this together and wrap it up would be that if we have provided this picture of where we are headed, all of the issues that are going on, the uh, dire circumstances we are in, the fact that we are in this crisis period, a transition period, that change is coming, and that a lot of this is not going to be pretty. So we, we've painted that picture. But on the flip side, you've also provided this hope that inevitably a system like this that performs this way with these types of ideals people won't go along with that indefinitely because it is, it's basically anti-life as, as far as we know it. The fullness of life doesn't exist in this. And so uh, with that inevitable uh, change of the guard, and hopefully that is a good one coming up, what would you say to people uh, to give them some advice or some direction on where 
we can go as individuals. I am an individual. I see this stuff happening. I do not like it. I don't want that to be the future that I live in or my kids grow up in or my grandkids live in. What what are some things that I should be doing? What are some steps I should be taking? What are some things I should be learning and interactions and networks I should be building? What what would you recommend to the individual that does see this and wants to provide some sort of um, some sort of resistance, but uh, doesn't really know where to start. Take control of your life. See yourself as a free person. Move ahead in your life without uh, knuckling under or yielding to the pressures of 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 power. Um, search out your own place in the universe, fight for yourself, fight for those you care for and those people that you're close to, and above all, resist the, the, the tyranny that is here, the tyranny that is coming. And we need people like that just as we needed them so badly in the 1770s, but we need them more now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think you've given us uh, a lot of really good information here and a lot to think on and dwell on and assess more fully and given us some some pictures of how to see what's going on and some good allusions historically for understanding that as well. Um, number one, is there is there anything else you would like to add? And then number two, if someone wants to hear more about your perspectives, your views, your work that you have done, where can they find your work and your material and your content? Well, I mean, anyone who's listened up to this point, um, I'm going to be eternally grateful to and thank you for for being able to hang on this long. Uh, but if, if you want to know where my best recent work is, it is at a site called anewcivilwar.com, simply anewcivilwar.com. And I have a, a blog there, and I, I'm really trying to, to frame where we are, what we're doing, and what we need to do to the best of my ability. So if you would like to know more about what I'm thinking, that's the place to go. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and for giving us all of this enlightenment and this knowledge and these perspectives. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will really appreciate it as well. So thank you very much. And I hope to continue to see your work and keep up with that and continue to see your perspectives as things in the world evolve. Thank you, Joshua. So that concludes the interview that I did with Michael Vlahos. Thank you very much for listening. I know a lot of you really enjoyed that one. He touched on a lot of things that are very well connected to some of the subjects that have been covered recently, especially in the Dim Age series. 
And I can go ahead and tell you that the next episode will be with somebody else that I feel is a very appropriate guest, and that would be Julianne Romanello. She is very big on talking about the education system and the influence of really the private sector into that, the idea of technocracy, sustainable development, Agenda 21, what all this looks like, especially at a ground level. And she has experience with that directly. She also has a background in political philosophy. So we get into that. I actually, as I'm recording this outro right now, I just got done interviewing her like 15 minutes ago. And so um, I can tell you that it was a very good interview. We get into a lot of stuff, philosophy. We talk about some of the Dim Age uh, style topics of moving into mysticism, a little bit about magic, a little bit about spirituality, um, but also getting more on a ground level, like like I did with Michael Vlahos. He, he was still, um, it was still a broad perspective, but a little less esoteric. And so the same is true in a way with Julianne Romanello, where we will get a little more to a ground level perspective, but Uh, The esoteric still comes into play quite a bit. We get into a decent bit of philosophy and that kind of stuff. But but still, we do talk about some concrete things that are happening, especially in the education sector and what that looks like and things that I think you will be able to identify in your local area. I know my school system is doing exactly the things that she's talking about. So um, that's very helpful. And I think you guys will really enjoy that and benefit a lot from that conversation. I would also like to say thank you to Broken Saint who had left a a short comment on one of the episodes that I had posted. I think, I believe it looks like he commented on the website itself, which I do have a few of those that are specifically on the website and not just general. So thank you very much for that. I honestly haven't looked at and seen if there were any reviews in the past week or two. So I'll do that before I release the next episode and give a specific thank you and shout out to anyone that has written something. I do greatly appreciate when people do that. Uh, I really find that it helps out a lot in, in our technology world that we live in. I think you know as well as I do that when we're searching for something, we want to see what other people think about it before we dedicate our time and energy into it, at least oftentimes, not every time. But um, to have a podcast that actually has multiple reviews and different people saying different things about it, and it fits with maybe what I am searching for, then that makes me much more likely to listen to it. So that has a very big impact when you take the time to leave a review, leave a rating, So thank you very much. I really do appreciate that very much. Please let me know if you have any random commentary or anything else to say or any questions or you're looking for any sources on anything that has been mentioned. I would love to uh, get you connected with that or answer your questions or address whatever it is that you have. So feel free. Uh, emails usually the best way. Our foundations at protonmail.com. Feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. I also mentioned on Twitter, but those of you who have not seen that, the interview that I did on the Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence podcast, that interview has released in the past week, I think since the last um, episode that I did here, the first half of the Michael Vlahos interview. So since then, that interview came out, and in that one, uh, we talk a lot about 
the historical cycles and patterns and the spirituality aspect of things and all of uh, the the Dim Age series concepts as a whole um, kind of all crammed into one episode. And uh, I felt it was really good. Uh, and it's definitely worth listening to if you're interested in that. So you can check that out. If you are a member on Patreon, I will post that on the Patreon page specifically. You have your own private podcast feed and that's where I release um, early releases or all the appearances that I've ever done on other podcasts. You can find them all in one place there. If you're not on Patreon, then or subscribe star as well. And I'll comment on that here in just a second. But if you're not supporting directly that way, you can still go to the website. And from the website, there's a tab if you do the drop down menu on the left for uh, I'm assuming it says appearances. No, now that I think about it, I really don't know what it says, but um, it should be pretty obvious. There is a tab and something you can click on that will show all the appearances I've done and what podcasts those were on. And I believe I linked each one of those as well. If not, you can easily search it. So you can get that if you are interested in more episodes and more content of things that I've discussed. And uh, for Subscribestar, I do have my very first Subscribestar member. So I do want to say thank you very much. That is extremely cool. I didn't have anybody, obviously, and having one person is something that I am very happy about. So thank you very much, Tim. Uh, I greatly appreciate that. I've reached out to you. And if you uh, want to pose a question, a topic, anything like that, that's a perk that you get for supporting the show financially. So feel free to send me your comment, your question, your topic, your anything, and I will address that in some form or fashion on the show. If anybody else is interested in joining Subscribestar, uh, please do so. A lot of people like that more than Patreon for various reasons that we won't get into. But also, I did do a new follow-up interview with Vin Armani. And I, I am sure that just about everyone listening here will be pretty excited about that. It was a very good interview. And as soon as I figure out how to do that, I will release that first thing on Subscribestar. So Tim will be the first and only person to be able to listen to that outside of a few personal friends that I have that um, I screened it with beforehand. But uh, Tim will be the man and anyone else that joins on Subscribestar, you will also have access to that. If you want to just cancel Patreon and join Subscribestar, feel free. Uh, personally, I don't really care, but a lot of people um, aren't very fond of Patreon for censorship and other things. But um, I will also put that up early on Patreon so you know you don't have to rush over. I just want to give a special perk and incentive for the new platform that um, seems to be handling things a little better than Patreon does. Uh, but the problem is that there is a limit to the size of file that I can upload on Subscribestar, and that interview is too large. So I'll somehow have to break that up and then release it in sections, but I'll post that on there. So it'll get posted at some point in the next few weeks on Subscribestar first. I will then post it on Patreon. And when that interview finally releases after the Julianne Romanello interview and one other I have after her, then um, I will make sure that the interview with Van Armani in its entirety will be released early for those who are supporters financially. I try to do that with every show, 
or every interview that I have that's broken up into multiple episodes. I actually forgot to do that with this one, the Michael Vallejos one, so I apologize if if that's something you're looking forward to. I'm sorry. You can always remind me if I forget, but I, I will try to do that also for the Julianne Romanello one and for the next one and the Ben Armani one, all of those. I always try to release the interview in its entirety for supporters and so they can listen at their leisure and get the whole thing if they are interested. So that's where we are. Thank you very much, all of your support for listening, reviews, ratings, uh, financial support, all of these things. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. Peace. This has been another episode of Our Foundation's podcast. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye.